Welcome to the Living Healthy Podcast, where you can improve your quality of life by making solid and informed decisions. I'm your host, Eddie Randall. Tonight's podcast is entitled Women's Health, Applying Knowledge to Optimize Longevity, Part 1. Now, women's health is a colossal, fascinating, and very important subject. Uh, There are a plethora of health issues that women face on their journey through life. Now, in conjunction to the health issues that women face as human beings, there are also a vast array of issues involving everything from childbirth to genetic ailments that are solely unique to women. This subject is so huge that I only focused on some of the major topics in women's health. That being said, uh, this podcast was divided into two parts. In this two-part podcast series, I will be discussing health issues that women face and ways to mitigate or prevent those issues. The first thing I would like to talk about is life expectancy. Life expectancy for women varies across the world. However, women tend to live longer than men. There are a great deal of reasons for this. Just a few that come to mind are that men tend to have more dangerous jobs, uh, military service, uh, genetics, and that men also tend to avoid going to the doctor or not going as often as we should. On the Center for Disease Control's website, they have a document from the National Vital Statistics System that was published in April of 2020. They calculated several health indicators and determined that women in the United States live to about 81 years of age and then men live to 76 years of age. According to WHO, the World Health Organization, in at least 35 modernized countries, women live to over 80 years of age and that is six to eight years longer uh, than their male counterpart. So statistically speaking, they're you know roughly the same. Uh, genetics also play a factor. Women have two X chromosomes and men have an X and a Y chromosome. According to the Harvard Medical School's website, there's an article published by Dr. Robert Schmerling entitled, Why Men Die Earlier Than Women. This article was initially published in February of 2016, and he updated it in June of 2020. He stated that the Y chromosome that men get from their fathers tend to develop more mutation than the X chromosome that they get from their mothers. Um, He went on to state that the X chromosome abnormalities are not masked or covered by a second X chromosome like they are in women. Uh, This can shorten men's lives depending on the type of abnormality. Essentially, men have a greater chance of susceptibility to genetic ailments uh, which can shorten life just being born a man. Uh, These genetic ailments can be anything from colon cancer to cardiovascular disease, you name it. Uh, Dr. Nur Barzali, uh, who is the director for the Institute of AIDS Research at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, he collaborated in a study um, and published a paper on the U.S. National Library's website. The paper is called Undulating Changes in the Human Plasma Proteome Profiles Across the Lifespan. 
uh, what he and his colleagues were doing was they were essentially comparing the proteins in the blood of men and women and found that men have 600 more protein changes in their body compared to women who roughly had 277 changes. Bottom line, women have a more stable genetic makeup than men. This causes women to have the ability to live longer. Now, the major causes of death for women. According to the Center for Disease Control, the major causes for women uh, in death are heart disease, cancer, respiratory illness, and cerebral vascular accidents. By age, unintentional injuries are the major causes of death from birth to age 44. From 45 to 84 years of age, cancer is the second leading cause of death, and from 85 and up, heart disease is the number one cause. Across all age groups combined, heart disease is the number one cause of death. Uh, moving on to genetics. Genetics determine eye color, skin pigment, skin pigment, and hair color. In the case of women, there are some genetic disorders that are exclusive to women. I'll talk about two of those later, um, later on in the podcast. Now, moving on to habits. Um, detrimental habits versus salubrious habits. Now, there are habits that can change a woman's lifespan by years. Some of these are detrimental habits, such as smoking, eating a high-fat diet, lack of exercise, and living a sedentary life. Now, there are many salubrious habits which can extend life and or improve the quality of life, such as eating healthy, exercise, reading, and or solving puzzles, which can strengthen cognitive health. Now, developing healthy habits. Aside from visiting your PCP, GYN, and radiologist for checkups, it's ideal to develop habits that promote the longevity and build upon the quality of life. There are some things that you cannot control, like genetic predisposition. However, you can work with what you have and take care of your body to the best of your ability. In turn, your body will take care of you. Now, moving on to the meat of the subject, women's health. Now I'll begin discussing the issues and the topics involving women's health. Preventative measures are the best ways to optimize health. One of the best preventative measures are the use of mammograms. Now, according to the World Health Organization, every year half a million women around the world die from breast cancer. A mammogram is essential in early detection of breast abnormalities as it can give you a fighting chance to treat and cure any potential threat. The American Cancer Society recommends that women between the ages of 40 to 44 begin screening once a year. Women 45 to 54 should make it a part of their annual health routine, and women 55 and older should opt to continue it annually or biannually. Mammograms are not foolproof by any means, but they are very necessary. That being said, you should do a self-exam when you're in the shower or in front of the bathroom mirror. No one knows your body better than you do. Check for lumps or bumps or any unusual abnormalities. You should check yourself often and please speak to your primary care physician or GYN on tips for the proper way to give yourself a breast exam. Moving on to gynecology. 
Now, a gynecological exam, which is also known as an annual well woman's exam, is extremely important and should be a part of a woman's health care plan. A typical GYN exam consists of a pelvic exam, pap smear, and breast exam. Visiting your GYN will help to detect cell abnormalities and also to check and monitor the health of your reproductive system. In 2012, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology recommended pelvic exams annually for women 21 and older. Then they changed their recommendations in 2018 and stated that women should get these exams based on symptoms and medical history. They go on to state that women 21 to 29 should have a pap smear once every three years. Women 30 to 65 should have a pap smear every six, excuse me, every five years. And women 65 and older do not have to have a pap smear unless there's a history of cervical cancer and as long as there are two negative pap smears in the last decade. Now, a pap smear is usually performed during the pelvic exam when checking your gynecological health, and some doctors recommend annual pelvic exams, some do not. However, all women are different. Um, for the best um, recommendation, you need to speak to your gynecologist and get their input on what you should do. And obviously, this will be based on your age, your sexual activity, family history, and your overall health. Now moving on to menstrual irregularity. Menstrual irregularities can be inconvenient and downright frustrating in most cases. In other cases, they can cause women to develop life-altering diseases and even lead to a premature death. The British Medical Journal published an article in September of 2020 of a cohort study which determined that women who have a longer or irregular menstrual cycle are predisposed to dying before the age of 70 than women who have a normal menstrual cycle. Um, abnormal menstrual cycles are normal every once in a while. It's when they develop a common pattern that an underlying health issue may be to blame. Women who develop an irregular menstrual cycle are predisposed to developing endometrial cancer. Uh, for example, uh, two of the most common health issues that cause irregular menstru uh, menstruation are PCOS, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and ectopic pregnancy. To help deal with irregularity, you must speak to your GYN or PCP for directive. And there are medical treatments as well as home remedies that you can try. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now, it affects women of childbearing age and causes an imbalance of reproductive hormones. According to womenshealth.gov, PCOS prevents the female egg from developing properly and releasing during ovulation. This can lead to ovarian cysts, infertility, and an irregular menstrual cycle. PCOS, predispos PCOS predispos predisposes women to hair growth on their face, head hair loss, and acne. It increases insulin resistance, causing diabetes and even gestational diabetes. It can also cause weight gain and can cause cardiovascular disease. According to the Center for Disease Control, PCOS can cause strokes, sleep apnea, high blood pressure, and it's also the number one cause of female infertility. Um, currently, there are medications that you can use uh, to speak to your healthcare provider. 
Now, ectopic pregnancies. Now, this is where the egg gets fertilized um, and grows outside the uterus and can cause organ damage. Ectopic pregnancies usually involve the egg getting stuck in a fallopian tube. Um, ectopic pregnancies cannot develop into children. Um, the mother's life is at risk as major internal bleeding can occur if the fallopian tube bursts due to a fertilized egg getting stuck there. According to the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, if a fallopian tube bursts, it is life-threatening and will require immediate surgery. Their website goes on to state that some of the symptoms are lower back pain, abdominal pain, and shoulder pain. Risk factors include being older than 35, smoking, and the use of in vitro fertilization. Currently, the only treatments for ectopic pregnancy are medication and surgery. Now, HPV. According to WHO, the World Health Organization, the human papillomavirus is a group of over 100 viruses, with 14 of them being linked to cancer. It's the most common sexually transmitted infection uh, through sexual contact, though. That is the most common method of transmission, but also skin-to-skin -skin genital contact that can also spread the virus. What's shocking is that men and women have the virus and can show no signs and no symptoms. Women who have it can experience cauliflower-like warts around the affected area. The biggest plight to women involving this is the risk of cervical cancer. On the U.S. Department Health and Human Services website, they state that there is no cure for it and that half of all sexually active people will have the virus at some point in their lifetime. Almost all cervical cancer cases are caused by HPV, and the most common types of cervical cancers are adenocarcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma. Now, this is why a pap smear is so important, as it can help to detect changes in cells and identify cancer. According to cancer.org, there are HPV tests, uh, which can be taken alone or in conjunction with a pap smear. Women who get the HPV test done, they will not be able to detect any difference from getting a pap smear. On the Mayo Clinic's website, they state that it may take a woman up to 20 years after being infected with HPV to develop cervical cancer. To stay on top of HPV and to prevent cervical cancer, I recommend getting vaccinated and having regularly scheduled pap smears. Now, moving on to birth control. There are a plethora of birth control options on the market, and the type you get will depend on your health, your age, and your desire to have children in the future. Now, there are many pros and cons to each method, so it'll be best for you to do your own research and narrow it down to a few types that you're interested in. Then, make an appointment to see your PCP or GYN and discuss the types and make your decision. Now, there are many things to keep in mind, like the side effects. Some side effects include headaches, nausea, back pain, irritation, uh, allergic reaction, UTIs, weight gain, and high blood pressure. Whatever you use, make sure that the method is right for you. Now, diabetes during pregnancy. A woman can develop gestational diabetes, which is uh, diabetes uh, that you can get when you're pregnant. 
Now, factors of this condition include weight gain, which is normal during pregnancy. However, gestational diabetes is more common if the woman was already overweight prior to, to becoming pregnant. Hormonal changes during pregnancy are also a factor in developing gestational diabetes. On the American Diabetes Association website, they state that 10% of pregnancies in the United States are somehow affected by gestational diabetes. Now, the condition complicates the pregnancy for both the, the mother and the baby. On the CDC's website, they state that gestational diabetes can cause the following problems. The baby can develop hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar. The baby can also be bigger than normal, which would mean that the, the delivery would have to be a cesarean. A natural birth would not only be too painful for the mother, but could result in nerve damage as the, um, for the child with the pressure associated uh, through natural birth. Also, gestational diabetes can uh, cause preeclampsia and increases the chances of the mother developing thrombosis or suffering a stroke. If a woman is already diabetic and wants to have a baby, there are that you know the baby can be uh, be born healthy and it can be a very successful pregnancy. Hundreds of thousands of diabetic women around the world have healthy children all the time. That being said, there are implications which can harm the child if the mother does not stay on top of her diabetes. According to the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases, they state that the first two months of pregnancy are the most crucial, as those are the months that the baby's organs begin to form. High blood glucose levels can hurt major organs of the developing baby, like the brain, heart, lungs, and kidneys. Uh, there are also an, an increased risk of miscarriage and birth defects. In order to bolster an optimal pregnancy, stay on top of your glucose levels and work out a plan with your OBGYN and your PCP. Make sure to utilize all healthcare options. As an example, ask your healthcare provider about visiting uh, with a registered dietitian if, if you uh, so decide, if you decide to do that. Now, um, moving on to medications during pregnancy. Taking medications during pregnancy is not as complicated as it may seem. Simply get with your PCP or GYN on this matter. Due to the condition that the mother may have, she may have to continue to take the medication at regular dosage or your PCP may decrease the dose in order to not harm the baby. Harm the baby. Um, as far as over-the-counter medications, it's strongly suggested that you talk to your doctor Exercising during pregnancy. The American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology recommend exercising or starting to exercise while pregnant as long as you and the baby are healthy. They recommend five minutes a day, increasing by five minutes every day until you reach 30 minutes. Of course, you want to check with your doctor first, but I would advise safe exercises like brisk walking or using a stationary exercise bike. You need to also make sure that you get enough nutrition for your, you and the baby because exercise burns calories. Make sure to drink enough water, take breaks, and take in enough calories. Vaccines during pregnancy. Now, vaccination during pregnancy is extremely important. 
more so during the coronavirus pandemic. The vaccines you should get um, should be discussed with your doctor and will be based on your age, health, medical history, and how far along you are in your pregnancy. The CDC recommends women getting two vaccines in particular while they're pregnant. They are the flu vaccine and the Tdap, which is the tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis. Uh, due to the coronavirus pandemic, one of the most pressing issues is being pregnant and getting vaccinated with the COVID-19 uh, vaccine. This type of infection is new to us, and the overall picture is not completely un understood. There are long-term illnesses that are still being documented and studied, and depending on who you talk to or the countries involved with the vaccine, some are against it due to the side effects, while others are all for it. That being said, personally, I believe it is a personal choice to get the vaccine, and you may want to just you know discuss that with your doctor. Uh, the Food and Drug Administration and the CDC both say that pregnant women can get the COVID-19 vaccine and that it's up to them to choose to do so. On the CDC's website, they go on to state that pregnant animal trials with the Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson & Johnson vaccine have so far found no problem with the offspring or the mother. On the John Hopkins website, hopkinmedicine.org, they state that currently there are no specific trials involved um, using pregnant women and the COVID-19 vaccine. They also state that some pregnant women have taken the vaccine and so far there are no issues for either the mother or the baby. I would advise finding out all the information you can on the particular vaccine that you're interested in, researching it um, until you find out everything that is possible out there to learn about it, and then talking to your doctor and then you know getting that vaccine if you choose to, to do so. Now, COVID-19 and childbirth. If the mother has COVID-19 and gives birth, there are many things to consider as new information continues to come in around the world. The CDC says that even if the mother has the virus, it's not common for the child to have it as well. However, some children have been born with it, some have had no symptoms and recovered, and others have suffered the effects of the illness. The things to consider are how you will care for your child if you give birth and you have the virus and your child is not. You just have to discuss this with your doctors as hospitals around the world are implementing, implementing care plans and strategies to deal with the virus. The time that a mother has with her newborn, especially right after birth, are some of the most emotional and intimate times that create long-lasting memories. The pandemic has changed everything, and some adjustments need to be made in order to keep your baby safe. On the World Health Organization's website, they state that if a mother has COVID-19, she should still have close intimate contact with her child. This includes breastfeeding as well as sharing the same room with your newborn. They strongly recommend wearing a mask as well as frequent hand washing. Now moving on to breastfeeding. Uh, the first milk that a baby feeds on is called the colostrum. It's a deep yellow hue and is packed full of nutrients, vitamins, and minerals. 
breast milk is the healthiest thing for a baby and the mother produces colostrum during pregnancy and immediately after childbirth. So mom literally produces everything that the baby needs to get a healthy start on life. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, they state that women should take in 400 to 500 extra calories a day on top of their normal intake in order to sufficiently provide for their child. They also state that there are additional vitamins and minerals needed by women during nursing. A talk with your PCP should cover um, the additional requirements. In regard to women who have COVID-19 and breastfeeding, so far there is no evidence that states that the mother can pass the virus through breastfeeding. Vaccines during breastfeeding. Just like getting a vaccine while pregnant, it's important to talk to your doctor about getting a vaccine or vaccines while breastfeeding. Some illnesses and medications can be passed from the mother to child through breastfeeding. It's essential to talk to your doctor, and the decision to get vaccinated while breastfeeding is determined by your health condition and the benefits must outweigh the risk. Infertility. Now, infertility is a frustrating issue that affects about 6 million women in the United States. According to the World Health Organization, 10% of women suffer from infertility. Factors such as age, health problems, smoking, stress, poor diet, and being overweight are some of the issues that can cause infertility. The main causes of infertility are ovulation disorders. According to the Mayo Clinic, they state that the number one cause for infertility in women is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Harvard's medical website states that women's chances of becoming pregnant begin to decline at the age of 30. They also mention that thyroid disorders, scar tissue from abortions, and miscarriages also contribute to infertility. Infertility can be treated through lifestyle change and or medical treatment such as artificial insemination. If these methods do not work, there are options to consider such as adoption. Gastrointestinal health. Women's GI health is another significant issue. Women on average experience more gastrointestinal issues than men. On the U.S. National Library's website, they have an article by Saha and Espazi where they looked at the disparity in the need of gastrointestinal health between men and women. They determined that women suffer from more gastroenterology issues than men and that these issues range from irritable bowel syndrome, biliary disease, and liver-related ailments. What I found that was fascinating is that even though the human GI tract has a primary function, The physiology differs in men and women. Women have a stronger protection over their windpipe than men, and they also have a stronger esophagus than men, and it doesn't stop there. According to the American College of Gastroenterology, women can taste bitter and sweet foods more strongly than men can. They also state that the difference in the esophagus and windpipe suggests that women have stronger protection in those areas. They also state that women empty food at a slower rate than men and that this may explain why women have cramping and nausea more often. However, this slower emptying disappears with age. Also, women metabolize medications differently as well and women tend to suffer from Crohn's and other ailments at a higher rate. 
they also develop colon cancer at a greater rate and their website lists colon cancer as the number three killer of women. A paper by Heitkemper and Chang published on the NCBI website um, stated that um, they were looking at gastro issues and they concluded that during menses and early menopause women were more susceptible to developing irritable bowel syndrome. They attributed this to an increase as well as a decrease in the ovarian hormones. Now, there are things as simple as drinking more water or eating yogurt rich in probiotics, which can help ease or eliminate some stomach issues, while um, other um, more serious conditions require medication and intravenous infusions. Now, urinary tract health. Urinary tract infections are a huge part of women's health, as women are more susceptible to them than males. The most common symptoms of UTI um, are burning and irritation while urinating. But um, most UTIs involve the urethra and the bladder. However, an infection can involve other parts of the urinary system like the kidneys and the ureters. If the infection is not treated or improperly treated, it can reach the kidneys and cause a more serious condition. According to Harvard's Health website, um, women have a shorter urethra than men. This makes them more prone to UTIs. The shorter urethra means bacteria only has to travel a short distance to get to the bladder. Uh, sexual intercourse as well as personal hygiene are also factors that contribute to a woman uh, you know, developing a UTI. Um, birth control methods such as the use of diaphragms can also uh, make a woman more susceptible. Uh, most UTIs, they can clear up within a week. Preventative measures include proper hygiene, urinating after intercourse, and making sure to drink plenty of water. Also, the CDC recommends showering instead of taking a bath. If you do develop a UTI, drink lots of water, drink lots of lemon water, as well as cranberry juice. If it does not clear up or you're in severe pain, you may want to seek medical help. Um, ovarian cancer. Now, ovarian cancer is very dangerous, and it's more common in older women, mostly 50 and older. The ovaries produce the female hormones and also create the eggs. The uh, Center for Disease Control states that women who are middle-aged or have had breast cancer, colorectal cancer, or endometriosis are at a higher risk for developing ovarian cancer. Now, there are four stages um, of ovarian cancer, with obviously the fourth stage being the most dangerous. Now, there are signs and symptoms to be aware of. The American Cancer Center, um, excuse me, the American Cancer Society lists symptoms such as irregular menses, pain during intercourse, fatigue, pelvic pain, as well as urinary frequency. They go on to state that women who use oral uh, contraceptives lower their chances of getting it by 50%. According to ovarian.org, they state that a woman can decrease her chances by breastfeeding and giving birth before the age of 25. For older women, they can decrease their chances by getting a hysterectomy. Uh, they also state that diet and exercise are the simplest things uh, to do to lower the chances of getting it. And I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, diet and exercise are two things that you have the most control of when it comes to lowering your chances of developing any disease.
endometriosis. This, uh, this ailment has four stages and happens when the tissue lining the womb grows outside of the womb. Pelvic pain is the most common symptom and about 40% of the women who are infertile have endometriosis. The World Health Organization states that it affects 190 million women worldwide and it's more common in women in their 30s and 40s and it makes it difficult to get pregnant according to womenshealth.gov. Now, some healthcare professionals say that there are no preventative measures to endometriosis, while other healthcare professionals promote an endometriosis diet plan. Now, this diet plan includes anti-inflammatory foods and a diet that's high in omega-3 fatty acids. Now, they state that this can help to deal with the inflammation um, associated with the pain and cramping, which I completely agree with. And there are also other measures that include hormone therapy as well as surgery. Well, that's going to wrap it up for part one of Women's Health, the, uh, the podcast series. It's a two-part series. Make sure to check back in two weeks for the conclusion of the uh, second part of the Women's Health uh, podcast. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to uh, listen to the podcast, and it was a pleasure as always to uh, bring this to you, and I will see you next time. And remember, living healthy creates a better you.